This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. Acts chapter 2, there's a group of people that were experiencing something for the very first time. It was the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. It was the first time ever recorded. Well, (coughs) it came upon them in such a dramatic exclamation point, man. I mean, it was a dramatic experience. To the point where some people thought, what is going on? This is pretty awesome. It's extreme, but it's awesome. What's happening with these people? Well, there were there those that were there. Most of the time when you don't understand something, you make fun of it. When you don't really get it, most time you mock it and poke fun at it. Well, that's what happened. There was a group of people that said, well, I don't really understand what's going on, but it looks like they've been drinking. They're drunk. They're, they're acting like drunk people. Well, thank the Lord, there was a preacher there that day by the name of Peter that stood up and said, slow down, slow down. It's not like that. These people are not, they're not drunk. And here's the phrase. This, this that you're witnessing, it's, it's not that. It's not like they were drinking. This is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel. And then he went on to explain and give better understanding of really what the true experience was. Here's what I've learned. Most people don't, they don't reject the power and the love of God. They just reject what they don't understand. Most people are open to a relationship with Jesus and all of the benefits that come with it. They just don't want that which they don't understand. So last Sunday, I took a Sunday and spoke on the Spirit-led life. And we just talked about what it means to be Spirit-led. Wednesday night was our first Wednesday, which means all of us were together. And I spoke on something called praise and worship. Because some people think praise and worship means one thing. You ask somebody over here, praise and worship means another thing. So I tried my best to explain to you really what praise and worship's all about. Well, today is by far... Uh, probably going to be the most, at least my effort will be, my effort will be the most helpful topic that I can talk to you about because it, it literally is where the majority of my ministry is spent. And it's a, it's, a very, it's a very challenging subject matter. And it's called healing. It's called healing. Why is, that, why is it challenging? Because a lot of people have prayed and they weren't healed. A lot of people have prayed for other people that they weren't healed. Let me tell you, there's two areas that you can't get caught in with, with this topic, okay? If you came to church today, you drove and you made it here safely because you didn't get into a ditch. There's always a ditch on the right. There's a ditch on the left. And if you get in either of those, you got problems. You got to keep it in the middle. Let me tell you, when it comes to healing, there's one philosophy or mindset of healing that you just blab it and grab it just just all you got to do is name it and claim it I'm gonna make an extreme example of that okay here's an extreme example and when I say extreme it's not like I'm this is legit people are this out there when it comes to this they can have a broken arm the x-ray shows it's broken and it's doing this and they'll say it's not broken it's not broken By the name of Jesus, it's not broken. It's it's broken. 
It's not broken. It just does that. It's, it does that because it's broken. It's, it's broken, and you need a cast. I, I don't know if it's broken. It, lift it. Ah, it's broken. But then there's an, another extreme that believes that healing was only limited in the days of Jesus and or his disciples. There's one group that says healing ceased upon Christ's ascension. There's another group of sensationism that believes that healing ceased upon the death of the final disciple. I can tell you today that both of those are dangerous positions. Number one, if your arm's broken, we need to, we need to go get it set and we need to put a cast on it. And number two, uh, I can tell you that God does heal because I've seen it and, and I've witnessed it and I'm, I'm real. I'm Tommy. I'm the same guy, Tommy. And I'm not talking to you about something I read out of a book. I've, you know, I think about just our church right here at Calvary Church. Just, just recently, um, one of our great school teachers in our church <coughs> went in for a day procedure. Was supposed to have surgery at about 9 o'clock in the morning. Was supposed to be home by 2 o'clock in the afternoon and be back to work on Monday. It didn't go that way. That procedure... This procedure itself went okay, but her body, through the trauma, her body went the other way. Literally, organs began to shut down. There was a chemical released by her hormones that started shutting down her body. Well, when I first heard about it, I, I, I tried not to overreact. I thought, well, the family's panicking and she's going to be fine. Until four or five days later when I personally walked into the ICU and she was on life support. And I knew then we have a problem. Well, about five days later, now we're at a week and a half, I was supposed to go and preach in northern Arkansas. And before I made the phone call to that pastor, I went to the hospital one more time. And I'm, I'm, I'm by no means in, in any way, shape, or form qualified to make medical judgments. But being in a hospital as often as I am, there's just some things you can kind of feel your way into. And I walked in that hospital and I got nervous. So I called the pastor in Arkansas. I said, I, I can't come. I literally think this is it for this family. That's how bad it was. They called in the family and they said that she won't make it. And that you'll probably have to make a decision in the next day or two of what this is going to look like. Guys, she was in church last Sunday. Now, you may say, well, thank God for a good doctor. Yeah, thank God for a real good doctor. Because I'm telling you. It wasn't supposed to happen. Well, let me tell you something else. You know, I, I, I was doing some premarital counseling with a beautiful young couple in our church. They, they were excited. They were engaged, wanted to get married. But you know what their biggest challenge was? It wasn't their finances. Their biggest challenge wasn't the future mother-in-law. Their biggest challenge was that they wanted to have children together one day. But she had been told since she was a teenager that she would never have kids. So right there in my office with premarital counseling, talking about budgets of money, talking about intimacy in, 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 in the bedroom, talking about how to handle this job and how to handle that, talking about all that. Right then, it was dropped into my lap. I want to have a baby, but I'm told I can't. How long is it that you were told that? I've been told that ongoing since I was a teenager. I dedicated their baby last Sunday. There's a man in this service right now 
just out of respect, I won't let you know who he is. He might tell you who he is. I don't know. But he just told me two Monday nights ago, he said, Pastor Tommy, I don't know if you'll remember this, but I couldn't go to work. For several weeks, I couldn't go to work without literally excruciating pain in my feet. I had damage on my feet, and I could not work to the point where I didn't know what I was going to do. And you did something kind of odd, Pastor Tommy. You got on your hands and knees and laid hands on my feet. Well, I wasn't remembering any of that till he said the hands and knees things. And I was like, yeah, I remember that. I felt kind of weird doing that myself. And I thought, okay, Lord, you know, you've done some really cruel, cr- cruel things to me. But this is one of them. I'm on my hands and feet, and people are looking like I'm weird. And I feel weird. And he said, Pastor Tommy, I've never hurt since that prayer. Now, here's where I'm going. Here's where I'm going with this. Everybody stick with me for a few minutes. One ditch of thought, one bad place to find yourself in is, I'm not sick, you're sick, and we need to address that. Or, he doesn't heal, well, I'm telling you he heals. If you'll give me a few minutes of your time, and I'm going to do my best to stick with my thought and, 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 and really streamline it, there is a middle-of-the-road balanced approach that when it comes to healing, it's not this, healing's, healing's not that, this Healing is this, and I want to present it to you because I have a feeling that if you understand it, you'll accept it. If you understand it, you'll desire it. If you'll understand it, you'll, part, you'll, you'll make it a part by faith. You'll, you'll bring it into your prayer life and begin to pray for healing. Someone say amen. amen. So where am I going with this? If we all know that God heals, if you believe that God can heal, the Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you believe that God can heal, say amen. Amen. (coughs) Then why doesn't he always heal? That's where I'm going. And that's the dangerous steps that by faith we're going to walk through today. James 5, verse number 13. I had you turn to James 5. We're going to spend some time there. Is any one of you in trouble? Well, let him pray. Are you happy? Well, let him sing songs of praise. But here it is. If any one of you among you are sick, and I'm going to pray for the sick today in this service, okay? So any of you that have sickness in your body, I want you to begin right now to join with me. I'm going to believe God's going to heal you today. If any one of you are sick, let him call the elders of the church, pray over them, anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. This is not a part of the sermon, but I feel like you need to know we have a lot of new people in this church And one of the dangerous positions that a preacher could ever take is to assume that everybody understands what we do. Everybody doesn't understand what we do. When when I anoint someone with oil, there's nothing magical or even spiritual about the oil. The oil is the oil is the oil. Okay, here's an example. Bishop Ron just baptized three people. There was nothing magical or spiritual about that water. The water is a symbol. It's a symbol. Matter of fact, Bishop Ron said something that I'm I'm trying my best to train myself not to say just because it's a weird word. And I know why he says it because he's a part of a generation that was comfortable with the word. Me, I'm not comfortable. Did you hear him say, I bury you? That, that I, I, my first thought is, I don't want that. I don't want to be buried. I don't, I don't know why he's burying him. He's alive. He's being buried alive. Somebody... Call the cops on this guy. Well, let me help you. That water is actually, Bishop Ron is completely 100% theologically on point. 
But some people don't want to be buried because they don't understand it. Well, Christ was baptized by John in full, full sub, submission of water. And then Christ's teachings in the New Testament, through Paul especially, is that that's a symbol of the old way of living being buried. And we're done with the old way of living. And when we rise up by faith, we're a brand new creature baptized into Christ, taking on brand new life. And it symbolizes Jesus Christ, death on the cross, buried in a tomb, Easter's coming. What are we going to celebrate? His resurrection. So, how about this one? We have an altar. And I'll say, everybody, this altar's open for you. Well, if anybody's smart enough, they're going to be thinking, altar, in the Bible, I think altar meant you took an animal and you killed the animal on the altar. That's not happening here, okay? We, We don't have a stockpile of goats and Although we have some near us, but we're not going to do that to our friendly neighbors. We love our neighbors, and we're working on clear communication, and that wouldn't go well. It's a symbol that what you're going to do is you're going to sacrifice something to God, meaning your old way. You're going you're to leave it on the altar, and you're going to give it to God. It's just symbol. The oil is a symbol. When it says, call on the preacher, let him anoint you with oil... Well, guys, if I ever anoint you with oil, first of all, I promise you, I'm going to ask you, would you like me to anoint you with oil? I'm not just going to squeeze the bottle on you and ruin your shirt because there's nothing spiritual about it. But there's a symbol, and here's the symbol. The oil in the Scripture is always likened to the Holy Spirit. We want to come into agreement, and there's a point of contact that, that you know, for example, if I were going to, Say, say, Pastor Manny's here today. If I say, Pastor Manny, I give you my word that, that, that I'm going to take you and Sabrina to dinner. I would, I would stick up my hand and we come into agreement with our handshake. This is kind of what we do. Well, the Holy Spirit, that oil being applied is the Holy Spirit sealing. It's coming to agreement at the point of prayer. So just a little freebie there. James says, call on the elders, let them anoint you with oil. For the, for the prayer of faith. And then it says, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Then why doesn't healing always happen? And that's where we're getting nitty gritty today. I'm not going to have you raise your hand. I will say it for you. I've prayed for a lot of people and I ended up doing their funeral. I want to help you deal with what I deal with Daily. Because if I'm not praying for someone to be healed, I'm praying for a marriage to be restored. And then next thing you know, I'm helping them find the right lawyer for their divorce. I'm praying for their kids to stop acting up. And then the next thing you know, I'm called over to the school to figure out a way to, to let the school just give them another chance. I pray for a lot of stuff, guys. And my faith, at, more than often, my faith is stretched. I can literally tell you there was a window of time in my life where you didn't want me praying for you because when I prayed for you, it went the opposite direction. You laugh. That messes with a preacher, man. I'm like, I preach faith. I believe in faith. Here I am. I'm doing your work. Why do I pray they die? Why do I pray they divorce? Why do I pray, you know, why, why is this happening? Here's the catch. I'm fixing to release to you 
the game changer. <clears throat> I don't expect everybody to get it. This literally is the door that will let you step up a notch in your Christian maturity. This type of teaching is going to take some of you to a place that you've always wanted to be, but you've never been there before. And here it is. The sooner you get this in your spirit, the longer you're going to last in your Christian faith. Isaiah 55 and verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. You got to go more than that, Pastor Tommy. I'm not following you. That's a big one. He doesn't think the way we think. He doesn't do the way we do. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. He has a visual that you and I can't have. Have you ever been standing up tall in a taller building than usual? Better yet, have you ever been in an airplane and been able to see the landscape beneath you in an angle and a visual that you've never seen before? It starts kind of making sense to you why that's over there and, and, and why they built this over there. If you just get high enough, things become more clear. Can I tell you today in the name of the Lord, for every single one of us in this room that has struggled with the concept of healing, God's visual God's perception, God's, God's way, his thoughts are so much higher that they're clearer than you'll ever see. And the, the faster that you, by faith, come into alignment with this truth, the more you'll want to pray for healing and the more you'll understand it when it doesn't happen. Here's the truth of the matter. There's some things on earth that we'll never understand until we get to heaven. First John says, when we get to heaven, we'll see him, and we'll see him in his fullness, and it will all be clear to us. When we get to heaven, one of the first things that we're all going to be, we're going to be doing this together. When I get to heaven with you, and you get to heaven with me, we're going to probably walk, walk through the gates of heaven, and we're probably going to go, oh, oh, now I get it, okay. But until then, it's, oh, why is it not going the way I want it? Here's, here's the fact of the matter, guys. Hebrews 11, some of you that love Hebrews 11 because it's a chapter about faith, some of you need to keep reading and you need to get to the end of Hebrews 11 because Hebrews 11 verses 39 and 40 says something that you'll very seldom hear the preacher preach about because we spend most of our time talking about this is faith. It's the substance. And, and, and by faith, this guy did this. And through faith, this lady did that. Well, guess what it also says in Hebrews 11? It said all these people earned their reputation because of their faith. But yet, none of them received all that God had promised because God had something better. Everyone say the word better. God had something better in mind. Let me tell you where I'm at. And let me tell you where I believe you need to be. We need to believe God for miracles. I'm going to say it again. We need to believe God for miracles. Because God still heals. 
But we also need to trust God when things don't go the way we think they should. I'm trying to keep you out of the ditch. You get over here thinking that, 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 that you know you're not sick, I, I'm going to visit you in the hospital. You get over here and think, well, God can't, God doesn't do that anymore. Stick around here. You'll see that God does do miracles. But when he doesn't, you have to trust him more than you trust your feelings. I know what I'm dealing with today. I'm not trying to preach uphill against sin right now. What I'm preaching uphill against and why it's a little bit tight in this room is because I'm preaching against the flesh because all of us want to keep mommy as long as we can keep her. We want to keep our children healthy as long as we can. We want to keep everybody. If I had my way about it, I would go right now to Cook's Children's Hospital. If I was God, I would be at Cook's like 24-7 hanging out with people. Oh, you're healed. Go ahead. Go home. Oh, you're healed. I would do that. But it doesn't work that way. And I know that you've asked these questions if you've never been brave enough to ask them openly and honestly because you're always scared to get hammered on. You've asked yourself the question, why didn't God heal my dad? Why didn't God heal my marriage? Why didn't God heal my my child, my child? Some of you in this room, you carry right now this question. Why God? Well, Isaiah 57, verse number one, is a powerful insight to why. Isaiah 57 and verse one in the NLT, the New Living Translation, the Bible says, not me, the Bible says, good people pass away. Godly people often die before their time. And then it says where we are. No one seems to understand That God is protecting them from the evil to come. After the first service, I was in the lobby with a few of the people from the first service audience. And we were talking about the sermon. And they made me, you know, they were building me up. These are elders that I have such great respect for. That was the greatest I've ever heard on healing. We've all struggled with it. That was great. That was great. And there was an example used. Someone said, you know, I I wanted him to live to 104, not just 44. This answers that. We don't understand why he left us at 44. Well, no one understands, but God is protecting them from evil to come. I'm stretching some of you, man. I'm stretching some of you. You can either stay at this level or we could go up a little higher. And be able to pray for signs and wonders and still be okay when we don't see them. I'm trying to preach to you and lead you and teach you that there's a win, win. You don't lose when God doesn't heal. I'm going to say it again. You don't lose if God doesn't heal your loved one or yourself. How do I not win? I mean... Or how do I not lose, Pastor Tommy? That my, my father passed or my... Well, James takes us in a weird way. He just talked about laying hands on the sick. But then he does this in verse 15. He never misses a beat. He just slides right into this. It's almost like, James, are you... Are you is it spring forward, James, when you're writing this? Are you sleepy? Because he says, oh, by the way, pray, pray for them. Lay hands on them that they may be whole. 
And if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Sinned? Why are we talking about sin all of a sudden? Well, therefore, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. So my way to healing is I need to confess my sin. Different healing because James understands there's a greater healing than the physical healing. There is an inner healing. And here it is, everybody. James is letting us in on this incredible truth that some of you need to get to. God's more concerned about your inner spiritual healing and health than your physical healing and health. We are more concerned about our physical healing and health than our spiritual healing and health. Have you ever heard this phrase? Oh man, that guy's so, he's so, he's so spiritual, you know. He's so heavenly minded, he's no earthly good. You ever heard that kind of a critical comment? A lot of us are more earthly minded than heavenly good. We're trapped thinking that everything's about this body and this world and this earth. And God's saying, that's not your final place. I'm wanting to take you higher than that. If God healed every single manner of disease, every single day, for every single person, none of us would want to go to heaven. What's the point? I feel like I'm alone. Just think about it. If your body was just perfect and your marriage is perfect, unlimited money. I mean, you just got the world by the tail. No one you know has ever died. No one you know has ever hurt. No one's ever lost a job. No one's ever missed a meal. No one's ever had heartburn. What would you pray for? He says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Get this, Luke chapter 10, Jesus just goes ahead and just slaps every preacher that's ever preached. And boy, did he ever slap me real good with this one. He says, hey, you guys are getting so excited about the fact that y'all have prayed for people and y'all seen like signs and wonders. Now you're like renting out coliseums and you're, you're, you're having all the sick and inflicted line up and you're getting to be a little egotistical about it because you think that when you lay your hands on somebody, somebody's healed and, and you think that it's kind of, you know, we got some preachers that think that, that their breath heals them. You give me three cups of coffee, I'll do that. You'll go out too. This is what he says in Luke 10. He says, don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. But, but slow down. I, you told me to go and cast out the devils. I know, because that's what I do. 
You told me to lay hands on the sick and they'll be whole. I, I know, that's what I want you to do. But I don't want you to get so hung up on that that you think that that's the final, that, that that's the win, that that's the touchdown. Those are just kind of benefits of building your faith and developing your faith. I don't want you to get so hung up on miracles that you forget the ultimate miracles. Why I came, I died to give you eternal life. So when I don't, everybody listen, when I don't heal your grandfather, celebrate the fact that your granddad's in a much better place and heaven just got a lot sweeter having your granddad there. But what does our flesh say? No, I won't granddad. We were supposed to fish next week. I know, and it stinks. And I wish I could make it different. <coughs> but the fact of the matter is, when you can take a different view of healing, you'll pray for it more, you'll believe for it greater, but you'll survive when he doesn't. I think that we're thinking about earth way too much when God's thinking about heaven. I mean, good night. I've asked him to heal me of this bronchitis for three weeks. And then he says, preach on healing. And cough while you preach it. <clears throat> you don't think my face a little shaky? Are you following this? <clears throat> I think God wants you to grow in your faith more than he's concerned about healing someone's body. Now, this is going to mess with you. This isn't for the, the little ones. This is for people that are ready to go a little higher. God's more concerned about you growing in your faith than he is more concerned or less concerned than, than you seeing that miracle happen. If, if Denora and I wanted to go to San Diego, for example, if we wanted to go to San Diego, me... I, don't, I, I, I will not go unless we can afford to fly to San Diego. Now, my in-laws, they'll drive to San Diego five times this year, and it takes them 24 hours to get there. Me, I just want to go where I'm going. Some of you, you love to stop, take pictures. I don't need a picture. Some people are driving and they go, never seen that kind of flower. Can we pull over? I don't want to see that flower. Hey, babe, look, that little street, that little sign. I think I used to have a cousin that lived there. Can we go see if we can find my cousin? Alone, I'm going somewhere else. Here's my point. Here, get this, everybody. I'm wired that I want the end-end result. I, I, I want I want to get to where I'm going. I just don't care about the process of getting there. Don't care about the journey. Don't have time for the journey. I want to go somewhere. And I think God's completely opposite of me. I think God's more concerned about me and my journey, in my faith, and the development of my faith, my relationship growing closer to Him than He is the end and result. Again, if he just did, everything I thought he should do, he would become my Santa Claus, not my heavenly father. 
You ever seen a kid respect a dad that just gave him anything and everything in any moment? Just, here, a Lamborghini? You're eight, but I'll give you a Lamborghini. I know you're eight, but here's a Lamborghini. Heavenly fathers, good fathers, it's like our heavenly father, worried about the process more than the end in or the result-driven mentality. How do we know this? James does this. He talks about physical healing. James talks about inner healing. And then James goes off in a direction you never saw him going. Follow me. He says in James 5 now, verse 17, he says, you know, pray, lay hands on the sick, put oil on them. And, and matter of fact, if you've got sin, confess it. Oh, by the way, did you know that Elijah was a human being, even like us? Elijah prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain for three and a half years. And then he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced crops. When you just read that to read that, you're like, dude was the original ADD writer of the New Testament. Scatterbrain James. Actually, I think that story of Elijah needs a little bit more attention before I pray over the sick today. Because there in that one or two, three sentences is the story wrapped up in a nutshell of how faith is developed. It starts with a word from God. Faith always starts with a word from God. That's why you hear people say, I need a word from God. I need to hear a word from God. Well, the Bible tells us where, where the word of God uh, comes into our life greater than any way. Romans chapter 10 says, so, by faith, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You got to get into this Bible. You got to get this Bible into you. You got to get saturated with the word of God. Because you're just one word away of knowing how to pray. Knowing what to pray for. You got to read that word, study this word, live in this word. This is life. The Bible says in John 6, the words I've spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Faith always starts with a word from God. But here's where I'm going with this today before I pray over you. Elijah started with a word and he told Ahab, he said, it's not going to rain for three and a half years. But it will rain upon my word. Well, for three and a half years, it didn't rain. And Elijah was feeling pretty good. But now the deadline's come and there's still no rain. And now Elijah's starting to think. I told him it wasn't going to rain for three and a half years. I, I did pretty good on that one. But it's, it's supposed to rain now. And it's not raining. In other words, I prayed for this. This guy was healed. But now I'm praying for this one. This one's not being healed what do I do when I'm stuck between the two ditches of philosophy? What do I do? And Elijah called his servant and he said, go out, look across the sea. Tell me if it's raining. It's not raining. Well, go back, look again. It's not raining again. Well, go back. He did it seven times. Everybody say, go back. What have you been praying for? What have you believed in God for? Because when you're not seeing the results that you want to see, you'll stop. You'll stop praying. You'll stop believing. You'll stop trusting. And Elijah told his servant, go back again. And it was the seventh time. The number seven is the number of completion. 
And it was the seventh time that that, that servant went and looked. He said, good news, bad news, Elijah. It's not raining, but there is a cloud. Don't get excited. It's only the size of a man's hand. And Elijah went nuts. Yes, it's a cloud the size of a man's hand. Why are you excited? Because I know that means it's about to rain. To the point where Elijah said, everybody get in your chariot and you start hauling it. Because it's going to come a flood like you've never seen before. And they all started running and the rain started coming. My point of this message today is what is healing? Well, healing is spiritual. Healing is real. Healing happens. But when God doesn't heal, don't find disappointment. Find the joy in the fact that someone just went into glory and made it to where we're trying to get. Toss one last thought at you. I felt like the Lord revealed this to me. You know, Tommy, as many people as you pray for, it's not about the person you're praying for. It's about you. Can I help somebody today? When you're praying for your loved one, just remember, God's enjoying the time that you're spending with him in prayer. Because their ultimate destiny is in the hands of the Lord. You are on a journey to allow your faith to be built. And while you're praying, believe. I'm fixing to come into agreement with a lot of you. I'm about to believe that God's going to heal you. I'm not going to allow the one or two or five or ten that's never, that, that I've not seen healed. I'm not going to allow that to stop me from praying. Because I've seen too many people healed by the power of God. Well, keep praying. Keep believing. I believe some of you are going to come back next week with a testimony that God healed your body. But for those that don't, I believe you're going to come back next week trusting in God like you've never trusted him before. Because you ultimately know God has something better in place. Let's get off the thinking about earth and let's start thinking about heaven. That's what healing is really all about.